Welcome to Healthy vs. Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks, how does one tell the difference between the victim of a narcissist and a narcissistic victim? So this question requires a little bit of explanation because of the terms I'm using. So the victim of a narcissist would be someone who is not narcissistic, and they are exposed to someone who is. So they have been manipulated, been the victim of false accusations, harassed, lied to, stolen from, and they did not greatly contribute to this problem. The narcissistic victim is a person who is narcissistic and claims to be the victim of a narcissist, right? So they're kind of flipping things around. So to explain this a little more, I will use a person A, person B scenario. And I'm going to run under the assumption that someone is either narcissistic or they're not. We know, of course, that narcissism actually runs on a continuum. So somebody can be a little bit narcissistic, moderately, a lot, really anywhere on that continuum. But just to simplify it, I'll make this dichotomous. So using this logic, we have several scenarios that could occur. Neither person A nor person B is narcissistic. So again, these two people are in a relationship with one another. Neither one is narcissistic. So really, here, there's nothing to see. These people are doing okay, right? Number two, both people are narcissistic. This is a tough situation. Although sometimes people in relationships like this simply ignore each other, so I guess it kind of works out. I think most of the time it really leaves a cold, empty, unfeeling relationship that is quite negative. The third scenario, person A is a victim of person B who is a narcissist. Unfortunately, this happens all the time. It's actually really an epidemic. The fourth scenario, person A is a narcissist and they claim to be the victim of person B. Person A says that person B is a narcissist. So this is the scenario number four that I'm really focusing on here. Now, this particular scenario actually has two versions. One where person A says to person B, I'm not narcissistic, but you are. And another version where person A says, fine, you got me. I'm a narcissist, but you are too. And I don't need to change if you are not going to change, right? We're just both narcissists and we should stay that way. Now, in my opinion, the second one is actually more clever. It's a more clever tactic by the narcissist, but I'll talk about these in order. So I'll start with the first version and then get to the second version. So in this situation, person B may start to believe that they are actually the problem in the relationship. Person A has accused person B of being narcissistic. Person B knows that traits like being arrogant, self-centered, having a sense of entitlement, lacking empathy, and requiring admiration are damaging. They start to worry if maybe they are really like that. Person A starts to point out moments when person B seemed condescending, when they took a little bit too much pride in an accomplishment, when they tended to focus on their own needs more than other people's needs, when they bragged a little, when they did falsely accuse somebody, even if it was in error. Person B starts to believe the narrative. In essence, what person A is doing is actually just a specific form of gaslighting specific because it has that focus on narcissism. Gaslighting, of course, because it's a type of manipulation where they're trying to convince their partner that the partner is the problem. Now, if person B has ever accused person A 
of being narcissistic, then this is really just about as childish as someone being called a name and then saying, I'm not what you just called me, but you are what you just called me. Otherwise known as the, I know you are, but what am I defense, right? This is a defense that most people perfect in elementary school. It doesn't seem very sophisticated, but it does create a lot of doubt in person B. It activates their tendency to wanna to make sure they're doing the right thing. What if they are responsible in this situation? What if they haven't been the best partner? Ironically, questions that a narcissist would be unlikely to ask themselves. What about the second version of that scenario? The one where person A says, yeah, I may be a narcissist, but so are you. We should just both deal with it. This is a more advanced type of manipulation because here person A has actually gained some credibility in theory by taking ownership of their behavior. They admit to something that is not flattering, an unusual tactic for somebody who is narcissistic, and I wouldn't think this would be particularly common. Now, in either version, person B is left with the same question. How do they, or does anyone for that matter, know if they are narcissistic? Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one -on -one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardknowpodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who have overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover, and how to be brave. Now, some might say this type of introspection is unnecessary. Just dismiss the accusation about being narcissistic out of hand. The problem is that's exactly what a narcissist would do. This is because narcissists lack insight. When they're accused of being what they are, they deny it and don't really think about it anymore. In essence, their ego is protected from these types of criticisms. So it does make sense that person B wants to take a serious look at this question. So let's take a look at five strategies person B may use to figure out if they are narcissistic. The first strategy, and I think this is the best, is going to counseling. Much of the time, a counselor is gonna take the side of their client, and they may be reluctant to be too critical, especially early in the relationship, so person B would probably benefit by being very clear that they want direct, honest feedback, even if that feedback is harsh. Second strategy, this would be where person B goes to other people who in theory would be objective and they ask for an honest assessment of their behavior. The difficulty here is really a magnified version of what we might see if person B went to counseling. 
the friends and family would probably be reluctant to offer harsh criticism. So we see a dilemma. It seems that the only person willing to call person B narcissistic is person A, right? The last person that person B would trust. This brings me to the next strategy, number three. Can person B simply go to person A and ask for a detailed list of all the behaviors that point toward narcissism? So just ask that individual to list all the things that seem to be tied to this destructive behavior. Now, if person A can do this in a meaningful and insightful way, there could be something to that. If they stumble over the description and describe traits that are not particularly related to narcissism, like impulsivity, depression, or anxiety, that could also be revealing. So this could yield some good information. Another piece of this would be person B's internal reaction to hearing that criticism. Does that criticism bring up no feelings at all? Is person B indifferent to the feedback? This would point toward grandiose narcissism. Or does person B have feelings of resentfulness, shame, anger? Do they get defensive or go on the attack? This points to vulnerable narcissism. Now moving to strategy number four. This would be exploring the potential for narcissism in real time. Person B says to person A, okay, you think I'm narcissistic? The next time you see that behavior, please point it out and we'll talk about it. If every behavior that person A points out is linked to something that they cause through manipulation, then person B can weigh that accordingly. I've seen this many times. For example, person A falsely accuses person B. Person B reacts by getting angry, which is natural. Person A says, see, I told you, only a narcissist would get angry in the situation. So if they cause the problem and then point out the problem they caused as something that person B caused, that's really highly suspect. Now moving to strategy number five, this would involve person B reviewing their history, trying to recall times when other people may have mentioned traits of narcissism. Not so much friends and family, I talked about that, but looking through all of the interactions, coworkers, teachers, classmates, casual acquaintances, and strangers. Is there a pattern of people like that indicating traits related to narcissism? So that could be good for person B, but it's important too to remember that they're looking for a pattern of behavior, not a one-month time period where they seem narcissistic, not two points in time that are 10 years apart where they did something narcissistic, but a pattern that really forms over the long run. Have they been doing the same thing for a long time and not realizing it? Now, after person B explores their own potential narcissism, we're left with two possible outcomes. The first, they are not narcissistic, right? This is a time for celebration, but also a time to consider the next step. What do they do with that relationship with person A? So some stressors are uncovered with this outcome. The second outcome, they are narcissistic. So first, I think it's important to acknowledge how devastating that news would be. However, paradoxically, if it was that devastating, person B probably isn't too narcissistic, right? So we keep running into that same paradox. Second, it can be viewed as a great opportunity. This is an opportunity for person B to change their life, to stop adding toxicity to relationships, to stop the selfishness, the manipulation, and the sense of entitlement, to accept responsibility for behavior, and of course, to seek counseling. So connecting to an earlier theme I mentioned before about how narcissism is on a continuum, 
it becomes really important to keep this in mind. Somebody can have a few traits that are related to narcissism, essentially mild narcissism, and not really be highly destructive, right? They can be isolated to certain areas. Like maybe at certain times, somebody is selfish in certain venues, but not in other places, right? Maybe certain circumstances make somebody more defensive, but that doesn't mean they're defensive all the time. So there really is a lot of detail, a lot of information when exploring somebody's personality profile. It's not as clear as saying, oh, that person's a narcissist and that person there is not. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.